Well, good morning, NCC. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. It's good to see each and every one of you here. And once again, if you're our guests, we want to extend a special welcome to you and say thank you so much for worshiping here with us this morning. My name is Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here at NCC, and we're glad that you're joining with us. We're a church that's passionate about making people and places new, and we're excited that you're here with us. And we're in this series talking about vision And we've spent the past few weeks looking at this vision of making people and places new and how God has challenged us to live that out. And when we talk about this, we're not just talking about just being here on a Sunday morning, but how this affects our lives every day of the week and how God is challenging us to grow. And so we've started the past few weeks just by giving these declarations or saying these declarations out loud. You may have seen them as you walked in this morning. And so we're going to do this once again together um, as we end this vision series today. Let's say these out loud together. Scripture shapes our lives. We own our spiritual growth. We change the world. We invest in the next generation. Joy is seen in who we are. We live life together, and we move forward. So these declarations, they shape who we are. They're part of what we live out and and what we are as a church together. And so we've been looking at different ones of these. And I want to encourage you, if you missed any of the past few weeks, we've done three weeks of this. This is the fourth week and the final week of this vision series. I want to encourage you, go back and listen to the podcast. And especially if you call NCC your church home, Make sure you go back and listen to last week because God challenged us how we move forward as a church, what that looks like, and it was a real challenging message, so I want to encourage you, don't miss it, but go back and you can listen to that again. So we're going to look at another one of these today, and as we've been talking about vision, I've tried to um, have some visual illustration at the beginning, and so I have another one um, one for you guys today. How many of you guys know what this is? Okay, most of you guys do. Yep, someone yelled it out, a microscope, okay? So this may take you back to like elementary school, like science class, or I don't know if it's biology class or some class. You probably use this, or even if you haven't used it, we're obsessed with like CSI and all these criminal shows, right? So we've seen people use these things. And today, the declaration that I want us to focus in on, it made me think of this. Now, I remember being in middle school. I can't remember exactly what grade. And we took this out, and you guys probably did something similar to this, right? You take a little bit of tap water, you drop a few drops of that onto this glass slide, and then you slide it in there, right? And you make some adjustments, you get it focused in, and all of a sudden you realize that we don't really just drink water, do we? Like there's amoebas in there, like there's all of these things that I don't know how to pronounce. There's these tiny microorganisms swimming around. I thought it was just H2O, you guys, but there is something else in our water. And I thought, oh, that is really disgusting, right? And it made me think before I was drinking water, like, what am I actually drinking? Or how about this? I remember our teacher asked us, and we took this long Q-tip, and we swabbed our desk, right? Or underneath the desk. And then you put it with some solution on the slide, and what do you see? Everything has germs, you guys, right? Like automatically makes you a germaphobe. There's bacteria, there's all of that. Like you can now see it up close. And I thought, I never want to touch any of these desks again. They're, they're disgusting. And when I thought about the declaration that we're looking at today, it made me think about that mi- microscope. Because today we're talking about we live life together. And the reason why I thought about the microscope is because many of us are afraid of really living life together for the same reason that we're kind of afraid to look in the microscope, because it shows us what's beyond the surface. 
And so many of us, we live our life at like this arm's length or we keep people at a distance. We're really afraid to let people in because they're going to realize how jacked up we are, right? Like if people really get to know us, if they get close enough, they're going to understand that we're messed up, that we're broken, that we're dysfunctional people. And we don't know, are they going to accept us? Are they going to reject us? Are they going to make fun of us? And so we try to hide that from people. We try to keep people at an arm's length because we don't want them to really see what we're like. If they get close enough to actually observe our lives, we don't know how they're going to respond. And so many of us try to live our lives and especially live our Christian life with holding people at a distance. We don't want to allow them to get too close. But I want to challenge you this morning, church, that 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 is not how you were designed to live. You were never meant to live this Christian life on your own. This isn't something that you just engage in and say, okay, this is my personal relationship with Jesus and no one else really matters. It doesn't involve anyone else. As we read through scripture and as we're gonna talk about today, that's not how God meant for us to live this Christian life. We need one another. We need each other. And I would say this, if you're trying to do this on your own, if you're isolated in this thing, you're doing it wrong. That's not how God designed us. We desperately need each other. And so this declaration, we live life together, it really means something. It's a challenge that God has given us that, that we're around each other. And we're going to look at exactly what that looks like today. So if you have your Bibles, open them to Romans chapter 12, and we're going to start reading at verse 9. And if you didn't bring a Bible with you today, that's totally okay. There's a Bible in the seat in front of you, and you can open it up and turn to page 552 in that Bible and follow along with us. And I want to encourage you to do that. Don't just sit there, but take it out. and let, Let's actually look at what God's Word says. And once you have that Romans chapter 12, verse 9, hold on to that for just a moment, because you may be sitting here thinking, well, I've never read the book of Romans, so what's going on? And this is a book that's written by this guy named Paul. And it's written after the time of Jesus. So Jesus has come to this earth. He's lived on the earth. He's died and been resurrected again. And now the church is growing. This message of God's love, that Christ came to save us from our sins, it begins to spread. And it's no longer just in the city of Jerusalem. And it's no longer just in the nation of Israel. But now it's branching out. And it goes up into modern-day Turkey. And it starts to work its way into Greece. And then it finds itself in Rome. Now, at this time, Rome controlled everything, right? Rome was the power, was the world power of that day, the Roman Empire. And so as it got to Rome, it began to spread to other parts of the world. And Paul, as he's writing this book, he's never been to Rome. But he says, hey, I desperately want to go because he wanted to be a part of what God was doing. And if you guys remember history class, all roads lead to Rome. And so he knew, hey, what God was doing in Rome could eventually spread to every part of the then known world. And so Paul was passionate. And so he writes this letter to the church in Rome, to these people that were living in that city, and he wants to encourage them in their faith. And as he writes this, we need to understand what was happening with the church because Rome was not friendly to Christians at that point. There was actually a lot of persecution. You could get imprisoned, right? Caesar felt like he was Lord and he was the one who brought peace and he didn't like the idea that Jesus was actually Lord and that he came to bring peace. And so he would actually persecute and imprison Christians. And so Paul's writing to the church that's going through difficult times saying, hey, I have some things that are important for you to remember during these difficult times. So let's read what he actually writes to them in Romans chapter 12, verse 9. This is what it says. Let love be genuine. Let love be genuine. 
abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. So he said, try to one-up each other when it comes to showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Now that is a short paragraph, but Paul packs it as full as he can, right? Like he's just throwing punch after punch. This is what you need to do, church. And there's so much there. I mean, we could spend a number of weeks talking about this and breaking apart this passage, but I want us to look at this thread of love that continues to go throughout the passage that he says over and over again. The different ways that he challenges us to love one another. Once again, he's writing to the church and what this looks like as we live life together. And so that first verse, let love be genuine. In the NIV, it says it like this, love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. And as I started to look at that, this idea of genuine love or sincere love, um, I want to give you an idea because that may seem a little abstract, like what is he actually saying there? And so I looked at where does this word sincere come from? What does it mean? So I want to take you back on a journey. Imagine you lived during this time, right? And you didn't just jump on your camel or your donkey and go to Ikea or Crate and Barrel, right, or Target to get your dishes. You'd go into the marketplace. And imagine you worked in the marketplace and you, were, you dealt with pottery, right? This word actually comes from this idea or working with pottery, okay? Now, if you've seen Ghost, it's not that kind of love with pottery we're talking about, okay? Patrick Swayze, Demi Moore, get that out of your mind for a second, okay? Different type of love that we're talking about. But it deals with working with pottery. And so what you would do is you'd get the clay, like you've probably seen this, right? You spin it on the wheel. You get all the imperfections out, right? Like you get it exactly like you want it. You heat it up and then you paint it and then you set it on a shelf and someone would come and buy it. And now they could use it, right? They could use it for whatever they wanted to. Imagine one day you were there in your pottery shop and you were moving one of these and all of a sudden you tripped and, oh man, you broke it, right? And you're frustrated, you're getting upset, you're not at church, so it's tempting to say some words that you don't usually say in this building, right? Like you're so mad because this is hours and hours of work that's now shattered all of the ground and now you're going to lose money and so you start to pick up the pieces and you don't want to waste this. And so what you would do is you would take a candle and you would melt down the wax and you'd start to glue it back together. And you'd use the wax to cover up all of the blemishes, the cracks, all of that stuff, right? You'd get the wax exactly smoothed out, you repaint it, and now you have this vessel that's been painted over, that's been cracked, but now wax is filling that, okay? And you set it up there and someone comes and buys it and it's totally fine, right? They put water in it, they put flowers in it. It's all okay until they decide to set it on the stove and heat up some water and then what's gonna happen? Yeah, it's gonna break, right? All the wax is gonna melt, it's gonna fall apart. They're gonna be holding shattered pieces of what you had before, right? But it looked okay to the eye. And so whenever pottery was displayed, many times they'd put this sign on it that said sincere. And what that meant was without wax. They meant this has not been broken. They meant this vessel will hold up. Even if you put it in heat, there's no blemishes that we've tried to cover with wax. This is sincere. It's without wax. This is a great product to have. And that's what Paul is writing to the church in Rome. And he says, church, how is your love for one another? 
Because this is what he's telling them. You're facing persecution, right? The Roman Empire is pressing down on you. Things are heating up in your life. You're facing difficult situations. And the love that you need to have for one another isn't a love that'll break apart, isn't a love that'll melt, isn't a love that'll be destroyed when things get really difficult, when things get heated in your life. You need a love that's going to endure, a love that's authentic, a love that is sincere and genuine that's not going to break apart for you. And church, that's what God is challenging us with. Do you want to know what it looks like that we live life together? It means that many of us in this room, we're facing difficult situations. For some of us, we're struggling in our marriage or we're having difficulty with our family or things aren't going right at the job. And life isn't always perfect, right? Even as a Christian, life is not without trouble. And what God is challenging us with is, do you have people in your life, your church family, do you love one another that when things get difficult and when things get heated, you're not just going to fall away from each other, but you're going to be there for one another, and you're going to support one another, and you're going to hold each other together. It's a love that's without wax. Is that how you love each other? Is that how you're there for one another? Because that's what God's word is challenging us with, that things are going to get difficult, but we're called to be there for one another and to love each other in this way. The book of John, it, it shows it to us in a different light. John, this other guy who wrote a book in the Bible, he says it like this in 1 John chapter 2, Verse 10, anyone who loves their brother or sister lives in the light. And if someone looks, looks at them, there's nothing in their life to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and they walk around in darkness. John's pretty clear that as the church of Jesus Christ, if we claim to live in the light, if we claim to walk as Jesus did, that we're called to love one another, our brothers and sisters. Now, he's not just talking about our family. He's talking about believers that we're a part of, this church body that we're called to be a part of, that we extend love to one another. And he actually says, hey, when you do that, it's like shining this bright light. You can see where you're going. You're not going to stumble right? You're not going to fall away because that love is there, that representation of who God is. And church, I want to ask you, is that the way that you're loving one another? Can you look across the aisle? Can you look in front of you, behind you and say, yeah, I see that kind of love in my life. I'm demonstrating that kind of love to those people around me and to those that God has placed in my life. Do we love each other like that? Because that's how we're called to love one another. Jesus said that in, in his words, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. You want to know how people are going to know that you're a believer, that you're a follower of Christ? By your love, one for another. That's how you're going to do it. And so Paul starts off and he's like, there has to be this genuine, authentic, sincere love inside of your life. But then he goes on and he says it like this, be devoted to one another honor one another above yourselves. And I just started to think about that, that idea of giving honor, right? Giving honor to someone. Um, and I just thought, hey, what's that like? And the only idea I could come up with was like a medieval castle. And there's all these people hanging out in the castle, right? They're talking, they're doing different stuff. And all of a sudden the king walks in and what happens? Everything gets quiet and all of the attention and the focus goes on that person, maybe because of their position or, or where they're at, right? Honor is given to that individual. Attention is given to that person. I thought, what if this morning in the middle of my message, like I'm up here and I'm talking about God's word and I'm telling stories and I'm preaching, all of a sudden you heard those back doors open 
and a few gentlemen in black suits and sunglasses walked in. And then behind them, our president, Donald Trump, walked in, right? I'd probably stop preaching. He would have our attention. Now, I realize some of you would give him your attention because you think he's a great president. Some of you, because you extremely dislike him and you want to tell him what you think, right? There doesn't seem to be any middle ground with our current president. Either you love him or you hate him, but he would have our attention, right? There, there's something because of his position or his title that, that honor is given to him in that way. Your attention is drawn to that individual. And I thought, what if we treated one another like that? What if when someone walked into this room, they had our attention, See, because we come into this room and we know that God should have our attention, right? Like we're here to worship, we're here to hear from his word, we're here to hear him speak into our life, and, and that's vital to what happens on a Sunday morning. But you can also do that throughout the week on your own, and I hope you do. You can have times where you shut the door to your bedroom and you just listen to the voice of God, where you turn off the radio in the car and you just begin to sing worship songs. You can do that all on your own. See, but there's something that happens when we get together as a church, when we're with other people who believe what we believe and who are seeking after God and who want to know what it's like to have a relationship with him. Whenever we get together, there's something that happens. And Paul is challenging the church. Hey, do you honor one another? Is your life just focused in on yourself or are you paying attention to those people around you? Because if you want to live life together, it can't all be about you. You have to notice the other people that God has placed around you and the people that God has put in your life. That's what he's challenging us to do. That's what he's encouraging us that we would do that inside of our life. And you guys, so many of us, we're missing that component in our Christian walk. We're missing that from our lives. We're no longer doing that. We're not giving honor to each other. We're not paying attention to each other. Some of you guys, like we come in here, right? And we walk in, we're, we're running a little bit late for whatever reason. We walk in, we come in in the middle of the worship service. And then this happens every week at the end of service, we pray together. And I'll pray a prayer for anyone that needs to connect in a relationship with God. And then I pray a general prayer. And I say something like, hey, I want you to pray right where you're at. And this is what some of you guys start to do. Let me get all my stuff and put it in my purse. Let me gather all of my things together, right? And you guys, if there was an Olympic medal for getting out of this church fast, some of you guys would win it, right? Like you have it down. You know how to weave through the crowd, right? You know how to run to the classroom, get your kid out first, and you're out the door. I have literally chased some of you down the sidewalk just to be able to say hi, just because I want to connect with you. I want to get to know you a little bit more. Like, like I've had to do that sometimes because you're so quick to get out of here, but what if we actually paid attention to one another? What if we honored one another in that way and we said, hey, we want to get to know each other? And that's what I love. I look forward to coming here on a Sunday morning, not just because I'm gonna share with you something that God has placed on my heart or the word from God, but because I get to hang out with you guys and I get to talk to as many of you as I can on a Sunday and find out what's going on in your life and, and what's happening and what your week has been like. I enjoy being around you. That's the church. This is what God has called us to be, to pay attention to one another. This is the kind of church that we need to be because we're challenged to live life together. And so today is gonna be a little bit interactive. We're about to do that in a moment. I know some of you, you time it perfectly. Like I'm going to come in after connect time so I can just sneak in, but we've got you this Sunday. Okay. And so this is what we want to do. We're going to take a few moments. It's going to be okay. Okay. We're going to take the weirdness out of this. 
And in a moment, we're going to get out of our seat and we're just going to find one other person, maybe that we don't know that well, and we're going to go introduce ourselves and talk to them. Now, let me set some guidelines. Guys, this is not your chance to talk to that single girl that you've been eyeing for the past few weeks, okay? Not that opportunity. That's not what we're doing right now, okay? This is a chance for us to get to know someone. Maybe you've shaken their hand. Maybe you've said hi to them before. But we want to kind of set up just a few questions for you to get to know them a little bit better. So we've made it easy, okay? This is what you're going to do. You're going to introduce yourself. In case you lack social skills, we've got you covered this morning, okay? Just introduce yourself. Make it easy. I know we talk to each other every week, but sometimes we forget each other's name. And so don't do that thing like you better remember me, right? Like we talked last week. Just introduce yourself. Tell them your name, even if you think they should know it. The second, what do you do? What do your days look like? So I stay at home. I'm a, I'm a single parent or I'm retired or I have a job or I'm a student. Whatever that is like, just share that with that person. What's your favorite hobby? What do you enjoy to do? Okay, this is not your chance to go into your childhood trauma. That's not what we're doing here, okay? Just keeping it kind of, we just want to get to know each other a little bit better, okay? So we're keeping it social. And then the last thing, you inherited $1 million. What is one treat yourself thing that you'd buy? In case you don't know what that means, it cannot be I'd pay off my student loan debt, okay, or I'd pay off my credit card. This is a splurge item, okay? What would you spend that money on? What would you do? Something exciting, something that you would love, okay? And you don't have to do this with a lot of people. I'm just asking that you get out of your comfort zone in a moment when I tell you to stand. You kind of find someone maybe that you know or that you, you don't know that well, and, and you would introduce yourself and just walk through these questions. Super simple. Okay, so we're all going to do this. We want to see everyone participating. Go ahead and stand to your feet. We got some music in the background. Make that eye contact with someone you don't know. Okay? And we're just going to do this. Let's all do this. Don't just stay where you're at. Get out of your seat. Don't stay where you're at. I knew this would be hard once I got you talking. You weren't going to stop. That's okay. You can pick this up right at the end of service. So go ahead and start to make your way back this morning. Hopefully everyone got to have at least one conversation and... Maybe you didn't meet your next best friend, but you got to know someone a little bit better, right? Got to know a little bit, something a little bit more about them. But that's what it means to live life together, that we just pay attention. And you guys, it's as simple as saying, hey, I'm going to wake up a few minutes earlier. I'm going to get myself ready and I'm going to come to church or I'm going to hang out a few minutes. I'm not just going to rush out the door, but I'm going to get to know people that God has placed around me in this church that God has put in my life. Because, you guys, I really believe this. You're not here by accident, okay? You're not here because a family member invited you or you got on the website and Google churches near me and I just found this one. You're here because this is where God wants you to be. And if this is your church home, God's placed you in this room for a reason. You're here on purpose. And we need one another, you guys. We so desperately need each other in our lives. And so many times we're trying to do this by ourselves. And God's word is encouraging us time and time again. I've called you to live life together. You're not in this thing by yourself. You're not in this alone. We need to pay attention to one another and get to know each other. Let's keep going in this passage. What does he say? He says, be consistent in prayer. And I don't have time to go really deep in this, but let me just challenge you with this thought right here is your prayer life better not only be about you. 
You got to stop praying just the me prayers, you guys. God, I need you to do this for me. I need this in my life, Lord. This is just about, you can't do that. Our prayers have to extend beyond ourselves to the people that God has placed around us. And you've got to actually know people to pray for them, right? To know a little bit of what's going on in their life. So have a conversation. Ask someone. Text someone that you sit by every week here in church. Actually get to know them and find out what's going on. And hey, how can I pray for you? How can I challenge you? How can I encourage you? And then be faithful in that. Be constant in that. And begin to lift them up in your personal prayer time for what God wants to do inside of their life. And then this last thing, he ends this section, and this is the last kind of thought I want to leave you with is this right here. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Practice hospitality with each other. And so I know that's not a word that maybe we use a lot or maybe we just think in the hotel industry or the restaurant industry, that's kind of like hospitality. But when I started to look at that word, what it actually means is just, hey, are you being generous with others? And I love how Webster defined that because it said, hey, just opening up yourself, like opening up your home or, or opening yourself up to both friends and then to visitors and strangers. Like sometimes it's easy to do that with people that we're close to, but what about people that we need to get to know that we don't know that well yet? And we're called to do that. And so when we talk about living life together, it just means that we hang out together. We actually spend time with one another, right? Not just here on a Sunday morning, not just when we're in this room together, but we actually hang out with other people from our church throughout the week. And we're being generous people, right? We're opening up our homes. And I know this is so difficult because I doubt you're gonna just go to some random person in the church on Tuesday night, knock on their door and say, hey, it smells like chicken. Can I come in and eat dinner with you, right? <laughs> you don't know me, I saw you, like I sit across the aisle from you and I thought I'd just show up tonight, right? And just eat food with you and we could hang out for a little bit. That's gonna be a little bit weird. And so we tried to make this easy here at NCC. And we do something that we call NCC groups. And we have groups that meet throughout the week at different times for different seasons of life that you're in. We have um, some young women that meet together. We have guys that meet together. We have couples, those without kids, those with kids, like all different kinds of scenarios because we wanted to make it easy to actually do this. And so we wanted to kind of take away some of the weirdness and say, hey, we've got some people that'll open up their homes and you can come and you can hang out together and you can spend time together and you can just get to know other people and be a part of the church family on a deeper level. And so I've asked Peter and Isabel if they would come up this morning, if you guys could give them a hand. You guys can just come right here. And I don't know who wants to hold the mic or who's going to do most of the talking. So. But, um, so I know you guys pretty well, but people in our church may not know you. So maybe just take a moment, just talk about who you are, how long you've been here at NCC, and yep, just a little bit about you guys. All right, so um, if you don't know me, my name is Peter Romero and my wife. Isabel Romero. Um, we've been here for about two years. Um, a lot of people know me as, oh, that's the Army guy, but I'm, I'm active duty soldier. Um, so stationed here in Dallas. Yep. And we have five kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, got a couple. You'll see Bella running around or screaming. Yeah. yeah. So. so you guys have, you know, I know this about you, but you guys have a really amazing group. Um, just the people that you guys have allowed in your life. And so I want you to talk. I know you're super busy. You have five kids. You guys do so much stuff. And there's probably weeks where it's, you know, hard to get together. But 
what is it that you guys look forward to when you think about groups and when you think about getting together with, you know, the people God has placed in your life? What is it that you look forward to? Fellowship and just um, getting to, to talk and get together. And every week, you know, it's yeah. a different sharing life. Yep. I look forward to the, the food and coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and the fellowship, of course. Yeah. And then what's... Just what's an impact that maybe you've seen in your own personal life as you've allowed people in, you know, if you guys are meeting together, what's something that's changed inside of you because of groups? For me, it's prayer and uh, just getting stronger together and, you know, talking about life yeah. and just praying for each other, you know. Yeah. I would say that probably the biggest impact that I've seen within the group and that's impacted myself and my family um, being able to see the transformations that God's doing in, like, everyone's characters, yeah. our relationships, the, in our faiths, right? And by being real, like, we have some pretty real discussions <laughs> out there, right? And the more transparent you are, I mean, I mean, you learn and grow from that stuff. You can't be fake, you know? Yeah. You have to be honest. So that's, yep. that's the biggest thing, I, I would say. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Yep. Can we give them a hand once again? And so, you guys, that's part of what this looks like is that we just, we hang out together. We spend time with each other, getting to know one another. That's God's desire for our life is not that we try to do this alone. And so many of us, you guys, we, we do that. We, we come into a place like this and we think, hey, it's friendly, right? Like someone's there to shake my hand and someone's smiling at me and they have coffee and they have donuts. And then after a little bit, we just kind of settle in and we think, man, I don't know if this is as friendly as... Maybe I first thought it was. And my challenge is, what are you doing to connect with others? Like, are you being intentional about that? This declaration that we talk about, are you going out of your way to get to know others? Or are you just trying to keep this thing to yourself? Because just like Peter and Isabel just shared, one of the most impacting things is that we're around other individuals. And it's not just what we receive, you guys. It's partially what we give. See, because you'll have some weeks where you'll come into this place or you'll go to a group and, and everything will be going good. You're like on top of the world, right? Like God's done great things and you're just feeling it that week. And someone else in that group may be hurting that week and they may be going through something. And God will use your words. God will use maybe how he's growing your faith, what he's doing in your life to encourage them to not give up, to not throw in the towel, but to keep going. And you're going to be that voice of God in their life in that moment. But you can't do that if you're not there. And then there are going to be weeks where you're struggling, right? Like where you're going through it. And it seems like your world's falling apart and, and just showing up and saying, okay, God, I'll drag myself there. And then you get there and just hearing other people that are sharing in your story, that are a part of your life, that are going to pray for you, that are, encouraging, are going to encourage you. It's what's going to challenge you and grow you in your faith, but you can't do that if you're not there. You guys, we're called to be a part of this. I know that we are. This is the declaration that God has given us. We see it in his word. He's challenged us to be in relationships with one another, to love each other sincerely. And I want to just encourage you in this. For some of you, you're not a part of a group and you need to be. You really need to be. You need to be engaging with people here on a Sunday morning, but also throughout the week. And that's why we have ones that meet 
at all different times in all different locations because we want to help people connect. That's our desire. And then there are those of you that you've been in a group for a while and it's time you step up and lead because we're believing that this year that God's gonna bring more people in and that we're gonna see more families come and that this place is gonna continually be filled up and we need people that are willing to step up to the challenge and say, hey, I'm not willing to just participate, but I'm willing to help lead in some of these areas. And I'm gonna help people connect and engage in those conversations. And we need a lot more of you to do that. Right now, if all of us heard the voice of God and we responded, we don't have enough groups here at this church. And we need people that are willing to step up and say, hey, I'll start to make those connections and I'll help people grow and live out this declaration that we live life together. And that's my desire is that that's the kind of church that we would be, that we could get to know one another, that we could spend time together, that we could go beyond the surface, even into the brokenness of our life, even into the parts that are messed up. And we would love one another with a sincere, with an authentic love that Christ has called us to.